I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Today's episode of The Leaf Report is brought to you by Game Time. Do you think Maple Leafs and NHL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash, Jonas. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the latest, easiest way to get into the game. James, we are doing a post-Game 1 of 82 edition of the podcast, Leaf Report. Live from the Ford Performance Center. You can't be too loud. What was that? Because we're like near offices. Not Just be really. careful. No offices. There's nobody. There's the NHL Alumni Association. It's deserted. Can you believe there's 81 games left? Actually, by the time people are listening to this, there might be 80 Maybe there's yeah. That's usually how NHL season works. That's that usually do. you start with 82. <laughs> well, there's gonna be you, playoff games too. Yes, it's a lot of games. It's hard to plan your life when you don't know if you're gonna be on the road for the playoffs for two weeks or eight weeks. Yeah. All right. What do you want to start with the game or season opening win for the Leafs? So game one, What's most interesting Wednesday night playing an Ottawa team that most people expect is gonna finish dead last. It was interesting just like on the face of it, that's not a super interesting matchup or situation, but then there was all this other intrigue around the team that was going on. They have all these new players, captain, the, the captaincy, all this kind of, I, I thought, I thought that Wednesday was really fascinating. It was interesting to see the first period was kind of like a scrambly mess. They allow that goal 25 seconds in, they're on the power play a bunch of times. They can't score. Uh, they're, they've got guys like Sandine sitting on the bench for almost the whole first period. Um, but then it it started to look more like a team in the second and third period. I think the thing that people need to realize is that NHL teams are very much not a finished product when the regular season starts. Even though it feels like training camp and preseason went on for a long time, they had, what, 74 players on the ice for a big chunk of that preseason. A lot of these guys aren't used to playing with each other. Well, and especially since, like you're saying, there's so many new players. Yeah. Uh, like that entire third line aside, I guess Moore was on the team last year, obviously, but their fourth line's different. Their their pairs are different. Like they basically have three new pairs. They do. They have three new pairs. 
And then like they're going to play Friday night in Columbus and they're going to have different players on their third their third pair and their fourth line. Like Jason Spetz is going to play. Nick Batan's going to play. Justin Hall is going to play. Um, so there's like a lot of... Uh, it's like the puzzle pieces are just... They've been placed on the board. The but only like they're things, not in place at all. The only things that are the same from last year is that Janssen, Matthews, Nylander line played together. Like a that was bit, not, that was the fifth lot. most used line they had at even strength last year. Yeah. Um, and Anderson's the same in goal. Babcock's the same. That's about it. Well, the Marner line, but I guess the Marner <laughs> line, even the Marner line, doesn't have Zach Hyman. So different. I didn't mention that line though. That's not one of the. I know, but that is the li- that line is basically the same. I guess it's not because one of the players. They got to get used to Kapanen though. Like, there's still lots yeah, of questions I, I, over. I don't know that I think that that works. But what else do you do? I don't know. Maybe move Mickey, as Mike Babcock refers to Ilya Mikheyev. Maybe move him up. I he, don't know. He but looked, I guess you don't want to. He looked better than I was expecting. He's pretty good. He played a lot. Yeah. Killed penalties. People Scored in Russia. A goal. People in Russia talk him up a lot. The weird thing about him is you look at like in the KHL like two, three years ago, he wasn't really a factor. Like he he had like he didn't even have twenty points. Well, he would have been like what, twenty two at that point? Maybe he was just saying like a today, late bloomer. Talk to him today a little bit. He was saying that he's never played for like the Russian national team. He's never like had like a prominent role. I don't think he's ever been on the radar. Like I don't even know if NHL teams had courted him until very recently. You see lots of guys like that. Like I think Jake Muzzin was like that. Was Jake where did Jake Muzzin get picked? In the draft wasn't he a later pick i can't remember i think he was like but he a, had some injuries and he had some health yeah issues i think, I think he I was like remember. a third or fourth rounder or something but yeah he missed a full season when he was i guess the 16. point is just like guys are late bloomers sometimes they're different but he looks like he he will justify mike babcock's faith especially late bloomers come from when you're from a place he's from omsk he's like that's in siberia that's in the middle of nowhere. Like that's not like being from Moscow. It's way different. And I'm actually shocked. And I think the team's shocked too. He came out after the game and he started speaking on English. And then today he talked again and he spoke English for like six minutes, seven minutes. And he, his English is really good for a guy that's literally from Siberia that's only been here for a month. I think that, I don't know, if he ends up being really good, that kind of changes things, doesn't it? I mean, that, that makes their forward depth that much more impressive. Well, that's how like you can get away with paying those four guys so much is you find cheap people elsewhere. And so if he becomes a player, suddenly you've got him on an entry-level contract and he's a top nine forward. Just for maybe, one year though, right? Just for one year and then maybe you got to pay him a bit more. But like Trevor Moore, like it's just finding guys like that that is going to be their challenge. And like if any team should be able to do it, it's them with the resources and money that they have. That was one of the things I had in my story after the opening game. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but just I think it was really encouraging for the Leafs that three of their five goals came from their depth lines because those are the lines that we have the most question marks about. Like, I don't think anyone's doubting that Tavares and Marner are going to produce or that Matthews is going to produce with Nylander this year. I think that those are no-brainers. Who knows what's going to happen with those third and fourth lines? We actually – it wasn't a big topic after the game, and – Probably rightly so, given what happened, given the captaincy, given Matthew scoring a couple goals. Um, but man, I know I'm like on the 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 camp, or I'm leading the team that thinks he's going to have a big year. But William Nylander looks different. He looks good. 
Well, the weird thing isn't that he looks good now. It's how bad he looked last year. Like, it was shocking. Well, it just shows you what happens when you miss two months of the season and try to catch up. It's weird, though, because, like, there are guys, like, like Dermot and Hyman are going to miss a big chunk of the start of the year, and they're not going to be that far behind. I wonder if just, like, maybe the training Nylander was just doing on his, on his own and whatever just wasn't anywhere close to what it needed to be. Maybe. It's two months. Those guys are going to miss a month. I don't know. Yeah. It's different. It, yeah. I don't know. It feels like there could have been some way that I just I don't know why Nylander was so far behind last year. Like it was because he missed two months. Yeah, I know. But like and even he was like you see guys team. with like midseason injuries and they like miss months and then they come back and you don't. It's not like they're like completely not effective at yeah, all. That's fair. Um, I, he's gonna have a big year. I mean, well, I don't, I don't have like any doubt. Something. I don't have any doubt that Nylander's gonna have a big year. Yeah. Seventy points. That's what I. I mean, like as a rookie, see. he was a what do you have sixty one in first two years, like. He's better than he was three yeah, years ago. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's more sure of himself. That's the one thing like with- Thick with, with two Cs? Thick with two Cs. No, I don't know what that is. Oh. Is that a you joke? Gotta, you got to get with the memes. No. Uh, like Thanos from the Avengers is thick with two Cs. Is that a thing? Yeah. I've seen some of those movies. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Do you think Nylander's built like Thanos? No. He still has a neck. Do you know who was built like Thanos? Ben Smith. Yeah, I wonder where he is now. He's over he's in the in K, isn't he? Oh, no, he's, he's in, in Germany. Germany. Okay. Um, he's playing, but those guys, like I think it's Holzer. an important point. Those guys are like just coming into their own physically. Like you can see it with Marner looks bigger, Matthews looks bigger. You like if you look back to pictures from when they were teenagers, they just look like kids. Like from their first year. Like I was looking through some pictures um, for Matthews, and they came up. It came up like some of the ones when he was a nineteen year old, and he just looks like. He looks like a 19-year-old, and now he looks like he's a man, like he's grown into himself. He's matured. Same thing with Nylander. Um, same thing with Marner, like I mentioned. Like, I think that we sometimes overrate the progression that they take just becoming like adults. The game looked easy for Matthews last night, I thought. Yeah. like It just looked like he just looks a step above, especially in the offensive zone. And like, especially just, against that team. Yeah, yeah. The, the Leafs' schedule for October is pretty tough. Like, they play a lot of really good teams. So Tampa's in here on Monday. Uh, no, St. Louis. St. Louis is here. And then Tampa, I think, is Thursday. Thursday. You look at their schedule, and there's a lot of games. There's a lot of home games. There's a lot of good teams that are coming through. I think this is going to be a fascinating first month. You know, you don't have Hyman. You don't have Dermott. Babcock said today at practice they're going to rotate a whole bunch of guys through. They're not really sure what they want to do on the fourth line or the third deep pair. They, it wasn't really clear for them coming out of preseason. I think that, you know, we're going to know a lot more about this Leafs team in by November than we do right now. We'll, we'll know about Sandine. I mean, Sandine is one of the guys who lo- looks like he's good to go on that third pair. Didn't like, even play rotate, nine minutes. But like, he rarely played. Yeah. You but don't like, want to keep him with the, in the NHL team if he's, not play, if he's playing that little. I think even I think he's going to play ten to fifteen minutes. Don't you think most nights? Like so, a lot of it in in the opener was because there was so much power play, and he's not playing power play, and he's not really killing penalties either. So special teams, he kind of gets taken out of the game, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have a month basically to look at this guy and say, is he ready, uh, or is he not? That Sandine Hall pairing could be interesting. Eh? Like that's a bit different than having Marincin out there. Yes. Like well, they, you they know could what it really does? push the pace. I wonder if Hall will kill penalties. Hmm. Because that's like the, the one of the big selling features of Marincin is 
They right. need penalty killers right. on D. They lost and two I thought, big guys. I didn't like the way Merchant played at even strength, like when they're in the offensive zone and he's out there. I mean, there was one sequence where the Leafs had all this possession and they were looking really, really dangerous and all the big guys were out there and then Marincin just like screwed it up and just like flubbed the puck. But I thought penalty killing looked great. He's a good penalty killer. Yeah. Um, it's too bad you can't just play him just penalty kill. You could. Just play him five minutes a game. I think you might get rusty sitting there the rest of the time. Or imagine you know, there's a game where you don't take any penalties. And well, could- some of the possession stuff last year when he played with Dermot was fine. Like granted, they're not playing against tough competition. They're not playing... Hard minutes. Well, his possession last night was good. Like, He's possession fine. for him is not really the problem. The problem is that sometimes he just gives the puck away in like a terrible instance. Yes. Um, As I've said before, he gets the yips. You like the yips? Yeah, it's from golf. Do you like, what was I going to ask you? The, the captaincy thing. What did you think of how they did it? I don't know. I mean, they kind of, see, if they would have done a press conference on like Tuesday or, or even the day of the game, there would have been like a million talking head columns and it would have been an all over talk radio. And the athletic. The, and the Matthews thing would have been brought up way more than it was. So the way they did it really minimized, I think, a lot of it. I actually think in hindsight. Do you think we were wrong? Do you yeah, think I it think, was going to be Tavares all along? I don't know about that, but I think that maybe we were wrong thinking that Matthews was ready and that like it kind of makes sense just to give it to, to Tavares because it's like so not controversial. It's this is what I said. I said this to you last night. That's it's true. safe and boring, and it's just like, like we can debate how much the captaincy means. I'm not sure that it means that much. I don't think. And it if does. it doesn't mean that much, then maybe it doesn't. Maybe just give it to the guy who's the veteran guy who's not gonna, like he's never gonna do wrong by the captaincy. He's never gonna, he's never gonna say the wrong thing. No, no, they don't really have to ever worry about him as I a can't, captain. I but the thing is, like the captain, like the captain is overblown here. Like some of the stuff that he will do that, um, some of those other guys won't. He's not. Good. He'll be meeting with a coach. Like he'll be the voice for the players with the coach. That's a little different when you're the captain. But like other than that, we're still going to hear from Matthews after every important game. We're still going to judge him on the way he plays. Like it's nothing is really going to change. Like that's what I tried to write after the game is that I don't see anything really being different for Matthews not being the captain. I just thought it was a it would have been an empowering move to say to him, "We want you to be the the leader of the team. We want you to push yourself. We want you to push your teammates." And maybe you get like a percentage or two, yeah, a percentage point or two more from him than you would have otherwise. I think regardless, Matthews is the face of the franchise. Yes. Like if you walk around this city. The, everyone's wearing a 34 jersey. Not you and I, but like, like every all the around, kids on my block are all wearing, yes. you know, like, you know, he's just, he's electric. He's he's going to be the face of this team. And I actually like that you go into the dressing room here at the practice facility and you've got Tavares in the middle and then you've got Marner on one side and you've got Matthews on the other side. They've both got A's. One of them eventually is going to probably be the captain. Could be six years from now when Tavares is gone. But one of them is probably going to be the captain, and it's going to depend on which one of them. Should we start that that conversation? Yeah, we should. Now? Do, what's their next contract going to look <laughs> like? But wh- whichever, I don't know if both of them are going to stay their whole career. Sure. But one of them probably will, or will, or for most of their career. Who knows? Well, we're talking about it now. So. <laughs> but but I always love the, when after the presidential election or the prime. Well, it's mostly the presidential election in the states. Like literally right after it. it, who, it who's it the next finishes, one? They start talking about the next election. It's like uh, it's a little early. 
Let's talk about it. It feels early be, now, isn't? Who's going to be the next captain of the Leafs? When is the next president? Is next year? Is that the presidential election? Yeah. yeah. Like they start talking about it a year, two years ahead of time. Right. Anyway. But yeah, I do think. Um, I thought it was interesting how he looked on the power play. His shot looks like it's just going to be a weapon there, like it was before. I mean, he had twelve power play goals last year. So there's, I was talking to Chris Johnson, who is not allowed on the podcast, but I think we could still mention things that he says. And we were talking after the game over what's like kind of like the high bar number of goals that Matthews could potentially get this year. The high bar, fifty-five. Yeah, that's that's actually with the number that I said. I was like, I wonder. And then, but then Chris and I were wondering, like, well, okay, so how does he get there? Like, the power play would have to be better than it was last year. The well, Leafs as a team would probably have to score like three and a half plus goals. Well, the point I tried to make in my story is he had 25 even strength goals last year in 68 games, and his most frequent line mates were Kapanen and Marlowe. Now he's going to have Janssen and Nylander. That would lead me... like what? Did, how many goals did he finish with last year? 37, 36, something like that? Yep. So that was in 68 games. If the power play gets better, he has better line mates. He's better. Well, if you prorate what he had last year, I think it it's puts 45. him up around 45. Right. Yeah. yeah. So to get to 55, he's going to need like the percentages to go his way, the way it did for Tavares last year. He's going to need to produce more on the power play than he has in past years, which I think is possible. He's sure. in, he's in a better even, spot. And that wasn't power- even a top 10 mark. Like 12 power play goals is, is a lot. It's right. not like crazy. But his rate of scoring on the power play has always been pretty good. He just doesn't get a lot of minutes there. So it'll be interesting if that first power play unit, number one, is better, and number two, does it does it get to play more than the second unit? I didn't think the second unit looked very good. I like the potential of that second unit, though. Yeah, I know. There's but just I, so much I'm just more saying game one, that. I didn't see a lot there. Yeah, I saw some stuff. Like, I thought Neolander was interesting on it. There was a point when, when he took the puck and went right to the net. Uh, Barry is obviously a weapon. I think Kerfoot is someone who brings something different than what they had last year. I just think their, their power play will be... It should be better. It should be better. It should be top five in the league. Easy. With the talent, um, with the depth, with two units that are pretty good. Do you think Matthews misses having Marlowe on his line? I'm that's... sure he misses Marlowe personally. <laughs> well, yeah. I... Like, no doubt about it. That was a love affair that... That is such a strange story. <laughs> what happened there? I mean, if he could go that back... That he's gone or yes, that... that he's just not playing. Like, it's not totally strange based on what we saw last year. But, it, I mean, the fact that he approved a trade and then didn't end up anywhere, that's just like... It's kind of sad if you think about sure it. it you know what? You know what's interesting, too, is that Carolina wanted him. Like, they they tried to... Con- Brindamore sat down with him and tried to convince him to play for them, and he didn't want to do it. Yeah, so see, he, did have, he did have a lane where he could have played. Yeah. And then they did the bio because he refused. Well, and then now he couldn't he find a team. Somewhere else. San Jose. Yeah. And San Jose, like to say to a guy that's been like part of your franchise for so long and just say like, we won't even give you like a 700K. I don't know. You wonder if there's still bitterness from how he left. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't like that he basically said, I'm, I think I can win a cup somewhere else. The other thing, too, is that Doug Wilson's a good GM. And Doug Wilson's not a guy sure. that I think is super sentimental about anything. He's like one of those guys that like just wants to win. Clearly, they don't think he can help them win. 
I guess. I still think he can be a, like a fourth line guy. Like I don't. I told he, you I was going to ask Babcock if they talked about bringing him back because like it doesn't it wouldn't feel out of place to have him on your fourth line. The question is like would he play on their fourth line or would he end up playing higher? In the well, lineup? yeah. I mean that was the thing that people were worried about with bringing Hainsey back or you know yeah or Marlow or is it is he gonna, are they going to get the appropriate role? I didn't notice Hainsey a lot in the game last night, but that was a hell of a goal that he scored that got disallowed. Just like a snipe. <laughs> I like that he's wearing number 81 now, too. Yeah, what do you think that's about? That's his That's his birth year. Oh, is that what he's it is? He's got his age on his back right there. Huh. I know I'm an 80, so I know that he's... Uh, I, I saw that right away, and I was like, there you go. Because you see it in beer league where some guys wear their age on their on their back. Do I'm not a, doing that. A fun number fact? Ilya Mikheyev? Mikhaev. First player ever to wear sixty five for the Leafs. Fun yeah, fact. that's like one of like three numbers that no one's ever worn, right? Is, I didn't know there, there were aren't three, there aren't very many. Other. Yeah, there aren't. No one's worn sixty five. No, I wonder why he wears sixty. He was sixty six in the KHL. I was really excited uh, by that, but obviously he didn't want to. I guess he didn't want the Mario Lemieux type. I wear sixty six in beer league, and I'm terrible. I should tell. I can just tell him that, and then maybe he'll feel better about it. Well, I'm sure he's happy with his number. Um, Spezza, what did you make of him being scratched? I was surprised. Talk about not having a lot of sentimentality. I was and I wasn't. Mike Babcock has been lighting this, like he's been sending smoke signals up about this from basically like the first days of camp. Wasn't it even before they were on the ice or was it the first day they were on the ice? It was like the first couple of days. It was like, I don't know. Spezza had played like, had done like 20 drills or something and it's like. Yeah. He he clearly he's got something is, in his mind that I'm not sure he thinks Spezza can do this role, or that he thinks Spezza has a lo- enough left. I, w- I wonder if or that, both. I wonder if that second power play unit struggles a little bit, and you're like, yeah, we need him there. Babcock really wants the fourth line to just eat shit Tough minutes, like just just to like just. Take up time. It's be like the, the starting pitcher in baseball who's just going innings. Like we don't care if you get, give up seven runs, just give us six innings, please. They want that fourth line to be Andy Dufresne in the tunnel in Shawshank Redemption, trying to get just going like they're just the, like the, all these the, they're going to use him for is just throwing him on out against. And and then the reasoning makes sense. Like if you can have a fourth line that can hold its own in those minutes, I just don't know if I don't know. Like, if you throw Timoshov and Goat and Nick Shore out there, are they going to be able to do that? You would think less or so based on their skill level. Like, Spezza is skilled. He doesn't really fit, though, with what Mike Babcock typically likes. Well, he's talking about throwing center. him in the D zone. Right. But you would think... That's not really where he wants Spezza every but shift. But you would think you you would think having... I know it goes against conventional wisdom, but wouldn't you think you'd want more skill out there to help get you the puck back and then get out? Haven't we moved past that that whole thing that you need to be like, you you only need to be big and heavy to be able to play? It's not big and heavy though. It's like safe. It's like not taking risks in the D zone. It's like not. Do we really think like Spezza is going to do that? That's kind of been his reputation throughout his career. Because he's never, as Babcock has said, he's never done this. Like he has never been this kind of guy. I think there's only three forwards older than Spezza in the entire NHL this year. It's true. And two of the other guys are like within a couple months of him. Why sign him? Why, why sell him on coming here if like you knew clearly you came into camp knowing that you didn't think he could do this or you questioned whether he could do this? I wondered like I like if someone gets hurt 
Is he the guy that plays up in your top nine? Probably. It does not feel like it. No, it does not feel like that at all. Huh. But if if the problem is you don't think he can play their fourth line role, then why can't he play on the third line? Good question. Because that's a different role. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair point. They brought in all these depth guys. Like, it'd be interesting to go talk to, like, Agostino and uh, all the guys that signed. I talked to them. Who do? What do you want to know? Well, did they say, like, they thought they had, like, a legit roster spot? Mm, I think they all had the... In- the idea that they were competing for jobs. Did they realize that the Leafs went and signed like 12 of them and like most of them weren't going to get a shot? Well, if you're a guy, you cut, it's a good team. Uh, Agostino got to your contract. I'm sure you think I'm better than those guys. Like I'm sure Agostino thinks I'm better than Aberg or I'm better than Batan. I, but I think most of those people would sign. They don't have a lot of leverage. Like how many teams are, are But I don't know. giving them two-year contracts? Like I know that the reason that Ennis went and signed in Ottawa is because he wanted to play more. Like he wanted to be, and he got a hundred grand more. Hundred grand. Like he wanted to be. That's not nothing when you're making eight hundred. He wanted to be more of a make more of an impact in the NHL, and I'm sure it's the same with all of these guys. Like I don't think these guys on the one way deals are going to be happy down with the Marlies all year. Well, probably not. But it, to be fair, like Agostino is like an AHL journeyman before last year. Pontus Aberg had a really rough year last year. Uh, who else is there? Didn't he have like twenty points or something? Yeah, he, he he scored a lot when he played for Anaheim, but like he just seemed to not make coaches happy. Uh, I wonder how they're going to find like enough ice time for these guys in the AHL to keep them happy and keep them to wanting to be part of the organization. Well, and then like, they signed Matt Reed. Are you going to run into like a bunch of these guys that are like they're on third line roles in the AHL and they're like, "Fuck this!" Like I want to like go, I want to play somewhere else. Possibly. Feels but, like but it. it was interesting, I thought, at the end of camp, um, Babcock mentioned that they want the Marlies to be, or they went in the offseason and basically decided they want the Marlies to be more of a place, not more of, but a place this year that they could have guys who could come and help them. Because like you look last year, in the last few years, like they had some guys, but they didn't have a lot of guys with NHL experience who you could say, if we have an injury, that guy could plug himself in. Now, like if you have an injury up front, or you don't like Nick Shore, you don't think Timoshev is ready, you could just call up Agostino, who who has played in the league and can give you something. You know what's interesting about that, though, is that then the Marlies become less of like a development team, right? Yeah, it's a very tough balance to strike. Yeah, because, because like they're also developing Korshkov. They're also developing Lilligren. They're developing Bracco. Um, so if I'm running Kiva the Marlies Holloway. and my what they want me to do is like develop guys, I might not be playing those AHL vet guys as much as they want to be played. Well, but one thing we did see with the Marlies last year is they carried a shit ton of guys. Yeah. And they didn't play them in every game. Well, like they don't do the whole, we're going to play you three and three. We're not doing that stupid stuff. We're going to play you one night or two nights and we're not going to play you all three. So maybe you can find time. I mean, they did bring Patan back up and he's going to play Friday, like we mentioned. Uh, I'll be interested to see how many games he gets. Uh, I think you mentioned it, that they're going to do a fourth-line rotation. So we'll see how that kind of works out. Babcock also said they're going to carry three goalies. Yeah, I don't know what he (laughs) means by that. That kind of makes me think they're just going to have an extra goalie at practice, but I guess we'll find out. There's no third goal unless they, like, claim someone waivers or make a trade or something. There's no third goalie for there to be, to exist. It feels like somebody's going to get a job just to come show up at practice and give Frederick Anderson days off. Yeah. Sports science, James. They should just put something on Twitter like I do with my beer league team and just say, like, need a goalie. Uh, anything else from the the opener you want to talk about? Uh, I thought 
I thought Tyson Berry looked really good. Yeah. Some mistakes, but I think the good outweighs the bad with him. He only played 19 minutes, which was... That's about what I think he'll play, 20 minutes. Really? I think he'll play right around 20. Who's going to get the minutes then? Like, Riley, Riley, CC played CC more. Play CC play played a ton. lot. CC played almost 23. He's, that's their top pair. That's still yeah. their top pair. We were wrong about that. That, that pair is still well, going to play a bunch. Riley and, and, and CC both told me that, that they thought they were going to get the top matchups and, and play with, like, they yeah, both. So I, I was wrong about that. That is an interesting apparent change in direction just because when they acquired CC, one of the first things Kyle Dubas said is we're not going, we're going to use him differently than he was used in Ottawa, which you, I understood to mean they're not going to give him the hardest minutes anymore. If CC's playing 22, 23 minutes a night and he's playing against other teams' top lines and I don't know, like I, it doesn't feel like you've upgraded the, the stat. Yeah. But the stats guys like don't think CC can play. I think the Leafs think he can play. I'm dubious. We'll see. You're dubious? Dubious. Dubious? <laughs> oh, God. All right, we need to wrap the podcast. You're losing it. Um, I wonder what it sounds like in here. We're like sitting in the in the practice rink in like a, some like hallway. It might sound terrible. Our sound guy, our producer, is going to freak out when he hears this. There's people talking. There's things beeping. There's people walking by, waving to us. Okay, so I guess we'll be back... Next week after the game, they play on Monday against St. Louis because then they got a couple days off. So we'll do it on either Tuesday or Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. We're back on iTunes. Yeah. That's good. But now they make me read ads. That's the price. It's a, of being yeah, it's on the price we got to pay. Go use that game time thing. But more importantly, now that we're free again, we can say subscribe to The Athletic if you don't. Theathletic.com slash leaf report, 40% off. All right, we're wrapping up. Thank you. <laughs>